Hey, y'all. This is Mary Payne Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Pain in the Pod. Okay, today my guest is the host of an amazing new podcast called Something Was Wrong. This podcast is right up my alley. It has mystery and a person pretending to be something they aren't, and a wedding and a girl who may not know exactly who she's marrying. So I want you to listen to the podcast ASAP, and just know that this podcast may contain some spoilers. So seriously, if you haven't listened, run over, listen to it, and then come right back. The host of the podcast is Tiffany Reese, and I'm so glad to chat with her today. So hey, Tiffany, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. This is very, very exciting. Um, Like I told you before, this podcast was recommended to me, and I dove right in, and I was thrilled that here in the last week, you put out two episodes in a row. So how did you find out about Sarah, who is the focus of the podcast? How did you find out about her long story and this journey of this guy that she's going to marry that may turn out to be not who she thought? How did you find the story? So I heard about Sarah's story originally from a mutual friend of ours, Alyssa, and she was planning on attending the wedding. And, you know, as girlfriends do, we had discussed that she was going to a wedding um, in a couple weeks, like probably talking about outfits. And when I, I ran into her again, and she's like, my friend didn't end up getting married. And then she starts telling me some of the story. And of course, I'm like, extremely curious and nosy in these sorts of situations. So I start asking her questions and she told me a little bit and I'm like, this is insane. Um, I need to know every detail about this story. And it just hit me like an hour later, I just got this feeling like this would make a really great podcast. Like I would listen to that podcast. And Alyssa is a really adamant um, podcast listener herself. And so we always talk about podcasts, her and I. And she's like, yes, you have to do it. Like, you should totally do it. And um, so, of course, we gave Sarah a month or two to sort of process. And we didn't want to ask her right away. But I believe it was July, Alyssa, because she just believed that I could do it and thought, like, this needs to happen. She introduced us over text. And I just said to um, Sarah, I said, give me give me a week so I can come up with like a proposal for you and what this would look like and what like it would require of you and things like that. And then let's let's chat. And so and then you can take your time and let me know what you think. Um, And luckily, Sarah was very open. um, And then we met probably like three weeks later. And that's the majority of the audio that you hear of her talking is just the first time I met us sitting at my kitchen table and Alyssa's there too and Alyssa didn't know the full story and we sat there for about six hours and Sarah just jumped in and um, started telling me the story and it was way better once I had started hearing her story from her than I ever could have imagined and by better I don't mean to um, discount her trauma or any of the horrible things that have happened but it was just like way more um, than I expected in terms of like a story. So you were not a podcaster before. So you literally, just like all of us do, you have to start somewhere. So you just went and bought a couple of microphones and hooked it up to your computer and just sat at the table and just did it. Well, my husband and I had a podcast like years ago. I don't even remember how many years ago. And we did like three episodes and it was called Love and Swearage. I don't even think it's out anymore. And I had no idea like even how to edit or anything. So it was one of those situations where we just recorded like an hour of us talking and then that went up. So in terms of like creating a story or recording in different like environments and situations like that, I had literally no experience. So 
I just started reading stuff online and I'm a pretty determined person. So I just started going on YouTube and researching and I was just like, yeah, I'll learn how to do this. And so um, I spent about six months after meeting with Sarah, just um, self-teaching and reading a lot and trying to figure out how to make things um, sound as good as possible. Well, it it really turned out great. And And I do like how if you are um, presenting audio of somebody and it's on the phone and you'll say, okay, this is not the best audio. (laughs) But, you know, because I really like when podcasters will say that beforehand so that then you don't get the the trolls on the internet going, this was really great except for that audio was terrible. And you're like, I know it was. (laughs) I am not deaf. I am sorry. (laughs) You know, right. And you don't know when you're doing it until you maybe hear it back later. You're like, oh, Oh, that didn't sound great. But what can I do? I can't get them to back on the phone and say what they said again. You know, it's not like a TV show. Mm. Um, So it's so true. So listen, so you didn't know Sarah before, but your friend Alyssa did. So, yes. she, so she just comes to your house and you're, and you know what, I think that's even better because if you would have been like your friend Alyssa and been close to her, it may have been harder, right, to ask her all these questions if you mm-hmm. were super close. So since you weren't super close to her, it was probably easier for you just to be with your mouth wide open, like, are you kidding me? And then this and this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I literally sat on the edge of my seat with my mouth open. Absolutely 100% correct. And like I said, once I started hearing more and more, I was just like, this guy is so effed up beyond what I even could have imagined before. Um, And just hearing it firsthand, I love firsthand stories and I'm a big believer in women telling their stories and and I was just like blown away by Sarah's storytelling abilities, yeah. Um, which I didn't also know ahead of time. And like I remember a few, I think it was the night before I saw Alyssa, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm excited to meet with Sarah tomorrow." And she's like, "She's an amazing storyteller." And I was like, "What? She is?" Like I didn't even know that about her, but I just knew that the story was incredibly interesting and would would make a good podcast. Yeah, it seems like the story, it, it would have to be almost in one setting because, like like you're saying, you just sat there for six hours because it seems like one of those things where two days later you re- may remember, like, oh, I forgot to tell you. Like, let's get into the the story that was told kind of midway through about him being abusive to his dog and also her dog. Mm, yeah. How hard um, was that to even hear? It was... Oh, there's my dog barking. Speaking of dogs. You can't hear that. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Um, So it was incredibly hard to hear, especially knowing that Sarah is one of those people that like loves animals in such a deep way. Um, And that animal, her dog, Maple, was just like everything to her. Um, So the fact that he targeted something that she loved so much um, I don't think is a coincidence, and it really shows that sociopathic behavior that is extremely worrisome and something that I believe, had they gotten married, would have been replicated, unfortunately, probably on her at some point in their marriage, because that's what the statistics tell me. Yeah, I mean, every uh, serial killer sociopath story starts with some sort of animal abuse, mm-hmm. because, you know, they feel powerful over a tiny animal and it was so weird the stories like Sarah's mother saying that she felt uncomfortable because he would wrestle very aggressively on the ground with the dogs 
So weird. I was like, okay, so many of these things. And look, you, you can't judge anybody because when you're in it, you don't mm-hmm. put the 20 things together. You just think that was weird. And then two months later, something weird happens. And you may just get a little feeling. And then maybe you think, well, okay, I'm a bitch. This, this guy is fine. I, you know, I'm being too mm-hmm. hard on him. The, but the animal thing, and I do not have a dog, but the animal thing to me seemed like such a red flag that in addition to her finding out that he had mistreated her dog and his own, she saw that he mistreated his own dog, that then she gave the dog away. It just broke my heart. Yeah. I think like her giving the dog away in some subconscious way, this is strictly my opinion. She must've like wanted to protect the dog, even if there was a chance. Like, I think she, I think she reasoned it away or thought, or was in some way afraid to bring it up with him. But the fact that she rehomed the dog shows me that there was a part of her who wanted to like get that animal away from him and knew that deep down. I think it's really easy, like hindsight, um, you know, and when you're hearing like 15 minutes of any story, you know, at a time, it's so easy for us to be like, oh my gosh, how did you not see this or that? Or like, how did you handle it this way? But the thing is, is like, you have to keep in mind, this guy is the most complimentary, manipulative type of person. So this person is coming off as so friendly and so generous and so kind in all other circumstances. So you're kind of like, don't even know what to do with that information. And there's probably a part of you that's just like, that must have been a misinterpretation or, you know, there's more to this because you're just so sort of brainwashed Like, this person's a good person. This person's a Christian man. This person um, is admired by so many people in his community. You know, those sorts of things that really, like, make the victims in situations doubt their own own gut feelings. Yes. Okay, we're going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Okay, so you were talking about the friends and family and everyone thinking that he's such a good guy. Now, this is one thing I wasn't totally sure about in the podcast, so I want you to help me. I couldn't tell if he really was a good, strong, religious Christian man or if that was part of his put-on. I think it's totally a part of his put-on. I 100% believe he's a sociopath. I believe he has antisocial personality disorder. I don't believe he's capable of feeling anything. Um, I think that he uses religion as a as a prop and a methodology to abuse women. Um, and I think that it's convenient for him to use Christianity to abuse women. And so he just kind of, and I, I think it also is sort of like an invisibility cloak, right? If you look at socio, a lot of sociopaths, as, as we've learned from other podcasts like Dirty John or um, Dr. Death, Um, Or if you look at like the Catholic Church, for example, a lot of times abusers and sociopaths will hide in places where we never expect them to be. And that's completely by design. And I think that um, when you are a trusting 
person who is wholehearted and somebody like Sarah who wholeheartedly, you know, takes her religion and the commitment to God and um, certain beliefs so seriously for her. It's like to even imagine that somebody would use it as a tool to hurt someone is like beyond comprehension. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out when I was listening. And and I didn't know if it was ever laid out. And it was a moment that I had zoned out. I, I didn't know if he sort of molded himself into being this religious person to sort of mm. continue to show what a good guy he is. And as a girl that's grown up in the church and kind of sheltered and you, and you pray for a man to come and, you know, have a marriage and love and all this. And then there he is and everything seems so perfect. It's to me, it's almost like, you know, he went into her psyche and thought like, this is what she wants. So this is what I'm going to pretend to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's something that he's used in the past in his life and found out that he could, he could get victims this way because it makes people less suspecting that you're a, a liar and a manipulator and a con artist because you're using this sort of, you know, lifestyle that will make people less suspecting of who you really are. And a court, I mean, when they met on Hinge, his profile said he was looking for a fierce gal after Christ. And that's what initially drew Sarah to his profile. And he had like beautiful imagery and just very like, very um, appealing. And it really stood out to her. So for someone like Sarah, she's like, oh my gosh, like this is somebody I could actually see myself dating. Um, But I think it's something that he has used in the past and continues to use as a way to sort of um, disarm people. Oh my gosh, it's so many crazy parts of this. It's like hard to like <laughs> like put it in a linear thought. But so when you were uh, sitting down with Alyssa, and then this led you to other conversations with Sarah's uh, sister and her mom, and then the what we've called the the no bullshit roommate. Um, <laughs> that you know, how was it talking to them after you got Sarah's whole story out? Then I imagine you went back and did you know lots of talking to these people separately. How was it talking to them after you had heard her whole story? It was it was interesting in that every it was such a collective vibe of the same impressions but through different people's lens, which I think weaves together really nicely on the podcast because a lot of the same things stood out to people in hindsight. I the first interview I did after Sarah was with Karen, which is the one with terrible audio. And um <laughs> And live and learn. And um, I think it was kind of like her family didn't necessarily know what was happening. Like, I don't know if they even had listened to a podcast. So I felt like um, meeting with Karen, it was kind of like a good way for someone aside Sarah to sort of like test the waters of interviewing with me. Um, And luckily, she was willing to talk about, you know, seeing the dog getting injured and things like that, because I felt like it was also important to validate what Sarah was saying, even though I never experienced expect her to like I I never approach this from a a point of view of like I'm going to investigate everything you say and make sure it's true I gave her the benefit of the doubt because I think women deserve that and then over time and through interviews I found that everything she was saying was 100% so that was really interesting meeting her parents was amazing I love them I'm like obsessed with them and I keep asking that they'll adopt me because they're just like (laughs) the nicest parents I could imagine. Her dad's like a fire chief and 
her mom's just the sweetest lady and they're just such down to earth people. And you can just tell by meeting them that their children is their entire purpose in life and they will do anything for their kids. And that's just amazing to me as a parent. The episode, well, there was there was two things that stuck out about the parents. The one was when they had dinner with her alone without him when it was maybe a month or two before the wedding and just said, listen, we, we have all had a friend that we want to say to, and I'm sure many parents have had children they want to say to, like, you don't have to do this. It's just because the train is on the tracks doesn't mean we can't stop it, you know, and you need to really think about it. And she was stunned that they were saying that, but she was like, no, and why isn't he here? And they were just like, we just want you to know that we support you no matter what, you know, and if something happens and it doesn't go through. And then from that point on, he was very cold to her parents because he was mad that they had dinner without him, which I found to be so controlling and so strange. Like, I'm not allowed to have dinner with my parents alone. Like, you always have to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was super fascinating and that the mom noticed right away he stopped sending her daily texts and whatever he kind of gave her his future mother-in-law the cold shoulder because of one dinner that he didn't get invited to which is telling and then the other thing to me and this is a little bit of a spoiler so again everybody just you know buckle up if you haven't um already heard this part but you should have by this point that when they sat her down a week before and said, we are just asking you flat out not to do it. And I think I can't imagine for them because they seem so um, not docile, but so like believing in everything up to that point that it had to have been just a real soul searching moment for them to have to sit down with her and say, we're asking you not to do it. They framed it. They framed, they framed it in postpone it, but they were really hoping you just don't do it. And What's even more shocking is that she did. She she took their advice and said, okay, we're going to postpone. And then she had to tell him. But I think as the parent, you know, as a parent myself, and I'm married and my sisters are married, and I can't imagine my parents ever sitting down having to say that to us. Like, we're asking you just not to do it. Like, how horrible for them, you know? Oh, yeah. How horrible for them. And also, like, how insane that Sarah listened to them. Like, that's for me. I'm like, what? Like, because for me, if you think this is the night of her bachelorette party, like the weekend before her wedding, she has been doing nothing but planning this, you know, wedding for three months. She's almost 30. You know, she wants to get married and do all the adult married things that she's been looking forward to doing her entire life, living with the person she loves um, and all those sorts of things. And so it's like, there are so many people that I know that went through with a wedding, even though they weren't a hundred percent and later regretted it. But Sarah's relationship with her parents is really what saved her. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about this story is that she trusts and loves her parents so much, and they had such a strong quality relationship that just her mom's gut feeling going to her dad and just the gut feelings of her parents to Sarah that she would be willing to cancel this wedding with no no reason, real reason. Right. It wasn't like they said, we've hired this a private investigator, and we have found out these 12 things that are all horrible. It was just like, 
we're telling you not to do it. And I do know people that have gone to their children before their wedding and said this, like, you don't have to do it. You know, we'll support you. It doesn't matter about the money. And people have gone through the wedding anyway, just like you said. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised when I'm listening to the podcast that she agreed. Like you're saying, that to me was the most shocking part for her just to not say, just, well, forget it. It's a week away. People have booked their tickets. You know, we're going to do it. Now, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back and talk about Kimmy. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups, it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, so again, to people that have not, have not listened, this is a spoiler, and it has already been on the podcast, but if you haven't listened, again, maybe go back and listen before you hear what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you from the beginning, listening to it, I thought, this Kimmy person is not real. I thought, this Kimmy person is actually Dick. The That's the name that we give to the fiancé. <laughs> um, the Kimmy person is not real. It's him using a fake phone and manipulating her. And then... There's a section of the podcast where Kimmy is telling Sarah, you know, oh, are you, you know, going to your Pilates or whatever to get ready for your wedding? And Sarah, who I've seen a picture of, and she's drop dead gorgeous. And she says, no, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. And then this conversation goes on and on about cellulite and how you should get it tight and right and you need to lose 10 pounds and won't you feel better if you do? Because after you have kids, your whole body's going to go to shit. And such a non-supportive and rude and horrible thing that no good friend would ever, ever say to another friend, ever. So to me, I was like, oh, that's it. He's doing it. And he thinks she needs to lose 10 pounds. Like, he's cray to the Z crazy. (laughs) I mean, that's what I thought. Now, as of this uh, recording that you and I are doing, we don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure that Kimmy and Brian are not real people. Well, can you can the, will, you confirm or deny? Air, <laughs> when will the when will this episode air in a the, couple weeks? Right, yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, so it was really tricky to find f- from a t- storytelling. First of all, before I answer your question, but like from a storytelling perspective, it was really difficult. Like, how much do I give away, and how much do or how much do I hold back? Because we're, we were getting into, I think, the fourth episode or something, and I knew people were already starting to get stir-crazy. Like, what is happening? Like, what am I supposed to be looking for at this point? And so I think it's really important to, like, you know, s- sort of tip people off so that they can start sort of 
thinking about, oh my God, like, what if that was, what if that was actually a thing? Um, and so on the podcast, you don't really hear the lead up to their relationship. So like getting those letters, for example, the freaking letters, first of all, like, okay, yes. were you not just like, I mean, I mean, what did you, what was in your brain when you're listening to that? Uh, well, first of know. all, okay. <laughs> first of all, I really have like a whole paragraph right here. I'm like, okay. So for people that haven't listened, Kimmy is supposedly the fiance's best friend. Kimmy and Brian are his best friends. They live in London or something they met in Colorado. It's some convoluted something. They never, never speak on the phone to Sarah. They're only texting. And she has sent pictures. And so there is proof that they are actual people. So at some point early in their relationship or when they're maybe first engaged, he, the fiance, presents Sarah with this letter that Kimmy the wife of his friend has written sitting at the table across from him one day for a woman that doesn't exist yet. So dear future wife of Dick, dot, dot, dot. If you're reading this letter, he has found you. You are this, that, and the other. And how wonderful that you found each other in this you know, godly way. And it goes on. It had to have been six pages. I was listening. I was like, is this ever going to end? And it was... Pages and pages and pages about how wonderful Dick was and how lucky she was and how amazing it was that they had found each other. And you must you must treat him gently because this and it was the craziest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I could not believe that she could read that and be like, oh my God, this woman wrote this wonderful letter about you and here we have it. And at the end when it said, and I hope you don't mind that we typed this, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's interesting too is that he was pretty smart in some ways. So he, he introduces Kimmy and Brian two weeks into their relationship, first of all. Two weeks in. That's psycho. I think in his heart, first of all, he's a coward. So the fact that you would have to create fake people to abuse someone, you're a coward. Um, second of all, you're crazy. Um, and so I feel like he knew from the beginning, like, I am not good enough for Sarah. And the only way that I'm like his own insecurity led him to really get desperate or he's just enjoys it effing with people but so he had Kimmy text her ahead of time and mention it casually before like oh we wrote these letters like Brian will have to find them it, it might take a while for him to find them but you know we're gonna send them to you so then when he brought it up I think it was like kind of by design so that it would seem more real to her and she actually, when we first met, she had forgotten about the letters, which is another thing that's interesting about unpacking this story with Sarah is now that we've been communicating since last year, first, she's become a completely different person. Um, and two, she's unbrainwashed herself because when you're in the thick of it, you're really not see, and you're again, such a trusting person that you assume that everyone else is, um, and so she just didn't even think of the possibility, like the amount of crazy that would take, you know, to do something like this, like in her brain. Of course, me, like being true crime obsessed and, you know, watching all the things, I'm like, what? How did you not see this? This is psychotic. I remember when she first showed them to me, I just stared at her and I was like, Sarah, like, what? what is happening with this? Um, 
But yeah, it's it's the most self-indulgent, disgusting thing, honestly. There was a letter from Brian, too, which we didn't read on the podcast because it's even longer than the other one. Um, but it's also just very suppressive to me of women and the ideas, again, of like serve him, take care of him. Women are not props, you know, and her sole purpose should not be to support him and take care of his emotional needs. But it was just like it was so manipulative and just so gross and uh, really, really sad to think about now. Yeah. And, you know, on the episode where you reveal that she says to him, "Okay, are Kimmy and Brian real people? And he says, well, look, the thing is, is that the three of us have this joint Google voiceover IP, something like six words that I didn't even know, account. And so what we do is we use this joint account to communicate. And then sometimes, every so often, you would send a text and Kimmy, not knowing you very well, and Kimmy's not much of a girl's girl, she really is like a guy, then she didn't know how to respond. So then I would just help write the response. And then by the end of the conversation, he admits that he did 90% of it. And they were doing 10% of it. Now, I'm pretty sure on upcoming episodes, I'm going to be finding out uh, Kimmy, Brian, and Dick are all the same person. Yes. So some people are definitely already feeling that. I mean, you're definitely not alone. I mean, some people definitely called that from the letter. And other people were extremely surprised. And I think it's interesting to look at the correlation between people who grew up in the church believing the letter versus people who didn't. Um, I don't know why. If why that is, but that's just an interesting trend that I noticed. But a hundred percent, he still couldn't give it up, like still was trying to manipulate her and lie to her. And in her head, she knew bullshit at this point. It was like a light went off for her. And, and, and that's when she was like, she instantly changes. And this is one of my favorite things about the story is as soon as she knows who he is and sees who he is, she starts instantly going from victim to it's on MFR, and she wants all the information because she's like, I have all the receipts on you. You tried to mess with me, like I'm coming for you. So she really continues to push and is like gonna get him to admit everything. Um, and so I think that that's a really interesting part of the story. And he will just continue, continue, continue to try and lie and deceive her. Like he just thinks that somebody's gonna buy that. I don't know what that is, but. It's insane. <laughs> I love the uh, title of the episode. It's like, um, you're insane, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end of it, that's what she says. She says, what does she say? She says, something, you're insane, I'm leaving. Um, I think it's something, I'm running, you're insane. I yes. remember off the top of my I should know this. <laughs> it's, uh, um, but I was like, that just sums it up, right? Like, like the, and, and, you know, not to even mention the heartbreak of it, like this is somebody that you did love, that you were in love with, that you were intimate with, that you were in your mind, like uh, picturing your home and your children and your and your church and your jobs and your whole life ahead of you. And it just, in addition to that come crashing down, it, all the other deceit. I mean, it's just, it's so much to unpack, you know? Totally. It's we're done. I'm running. You're insane. Yeah. And Sarah has just so many good quotes throughout that I try to use her quotes as much as I can for the episode titles. But yeah, it's incredibly sad and traumatizing. And one of the reasons that I was drawn to this story being that I've been obsessed with true crime, like since I was 
little, nobody monitored what I could watch. So I grew up watching like Unsolved Mysteries, when John Bonet and OJ and like that's the that's my generation, like the crimes that I grew up investigating, like didn't have the internet, so I would read the newspaper. So for me, I think that a lot of times in current society with Netflix and all these um, true crime podcasts and stuff, we get really desensitized to the emotional abuse aspect of the impact of ab- emotional abuse. And from my personal experience and my research that I've done for this project, emotional abuse is far more traumatizing and harder for most people to um, sort of work through than any physical abuse. And I think that it's important to tell those stories too um, and look for those signs too and also educate young women because they are the most susceptible to emotional abuse. One in three girls from, I believe it's 18 to 25, will wind up in a domestic abuse relationship that involves domestic violence. Um, and it's even higher um, emotional abuse. Gosh. It's just so much harder to track. So when I think about my daughter, who is now seven, but will one day be going into high school and things like that, I, you know, I want her to be educated on these things Um regardless religion or not, I think it's information that all women need to know. It's funny you say that because I have a daughter who's about to be 16 and I have a son that's 13. And my daughter is like me, like we're both murderinos. She's obsessed with all true crime stuff. And, and, you know, my friends are like, that's a little dark. I'm like, I don't care. I would rather her be wary of people, you know, than be walking around with blinders. Here's a question. You mentioned a second ago, you said something about other victims. Are we going to find out that he had other victims, that there were more people that he has done something like this to? Um, Yes, we will get into that, both previous before Sarah and post his relationship with Sarah. And the interesting thing about and one of the really cool aspects about um, this season that I'm excited about is that once we go from sort of get through the, the bulk of the story, then we're going to start talking about more Alyssa, myself, and Sarah sort of investigating this on our own and finding out even more about him than we knew to begin with. And it's going to be really exciting for the listeners to hear some of the people that have come forward. And also even since just the podcast has been airing, we've had people reach out to us and been in conversations with people that have a lot more information on him to offer, which I think is really interesting and also solidifies the fact that abusers often have specific tactics and specific types of victims that they go for. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, this is just like very exciting to me. Um, Now, does he know about the podcast and you know that there's like a whole Facebook group and all sorts of people trying to figure out who this guy is? Totally. So so the reason why we chose, first of all, so much more fun to call him Dick than his real name <laughs> because he deserves no credit for his, psych- his psychopathy. Um, so the reason we have chosen not to reveal his identity is, one, because Sarah and I both um, felt pretty strongly that he would take us to court just to mess with her or me. Um, and two, I think too often we focus on the Ted Bundys of the world instead of the victims. Yes, yes. 
And I want people to remember the victims' names more and talk more about them. Of course, like, we want to learn about, you know, serial killers. And like you said, like, how to avoid. Like, I've watched all the Dateline, okay? Like, I, I don't go anywhere without, like, mace and a key. And, like, you know, I, I literally fill out my uh, agenda, my planner, so that I have alibis and know where I was on every day of the week, okay? Like, I get it. But I think that... Dick deserves no credit. And the other thing is, is dicks are everywhere. 4% of the the United States population are sociopaths. That's one in 25 people. So anybody who's listening to this, you already probably know two to three sociopaths in your daily life that you interact with and you don't know that they're sociopaths. Or maybe maybe you're the sociopath. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I think like, Yes, I don't we didn't want to be sued or, you know, anger him anymore, even though he isn't any longer in the state of California. So that's somewhat comforting. Um, It felt like the right thing to do. And I don't want to re-traumatize Sarah in any way. And I really have made her a partner in this process as things have unfolded. And she really she and I make the decisions together. And that feels really good to me involving her in the sort of process of the podcast and helping her to feel like she's being supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's in control of her own story. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, okay, sorry, what was the other part of that question? I think I went off the rails. Oh, I was just asking about the other victims, and you answered that, and then I was saying, does he know about the podcast? And, oh. you know, you I can't answered see that. How, I can't see how he doesn't know about the podcast. His family members have left some pretty gross comments on Sarah's blog which was really, really disappointing to see. But we also don't think that the family actually knows the story. And based on Sarah's conversations with some of those family members and her being like, I'm a complete open book. If you have questions, please feel free. Um, it, It seems really evident that he has not been honest with his family members about what transpired. So I can't imagine that he doesn't know. Um, And he has, uh, I mean, he's very much in the tech world and he has a tendency to monitor his exes on the internet. So we think it's very, very likely that he knows about the podcast, but he hasn't blocked me on Instagram, which is interesting. Hmm. So, Hmm. okay. Now you talked about that you had a podcast years ago and that your friend Alyssa was very into podcasts. And so at the end of my podcast, I sort of wrap it up by saying, what podcast interests you? I mean, I think, I, I think I'm, you're going to get some true crime ones because you sound like just like me, like the true crime ones. But tell me what uh, podcast you're interested in. Um, okay, so I went with kind of like some of my favorites Good. when I was thinking about this. So one of my all-time favorites in my like huge inspiration to me and one that I've been listening to like since I started listening to podcasts is Criminal with um, Phoebe Judge and her team. And it's they're 30 minute episodes and they talk about really random and interesting crimes that you would sort of never expect. Like there's an episode about somebody stealing Venus fly traps and like the, <laughs> the there's just very interesting and crimes that aren't covered as much and she's great and her voice is amazing and she's a great storyteller and she's really really great at interviewing people in a very effortless way so I love that one you know Karen, um, Karen on my favorite murder always talks about uh Phoebe Judge does she <laughs> yeah she does yeah <laughs> that's amazing um I love her voice and they did this episode for like their hundredth episode um, where people called in and did impressions of her. Uh-uh. And it was I was laughing for five minutes straight. It was so funny, and I loved it. Um, 
the those past year um, believed. Mm-hmm. I don't, have you listened to that one? I'm I, sure you have. I have not. It it is on no. my. It is in my queue though. You know. Yeah. Oh, totally. I've got. I like to let them stack. You know. Yeah. Um. So, believed is a docu series podcast about Larry Nassar, who was the gymnastics coach that had all of these accounts of abuse come out against him. Yes. Um. And it is interviews with his victims, and it talks a lot about the grooming process and sort of um, the women who were subjected to him. And also, it's very inspiring. Um, like I said earlier, I love hearing women like come forward and share their stories, and I think that's been so powerful and inspiring to me these last few years. And um, this podcast is a great example of that. And I feel like they did a really good job of sharing women's stories without exploiting them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's wonderful. I think that's Michigan Radio and NPR. Um, another one that I love is The Dream. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Obsessed. I let those stack and then I binged it and it was so worth the wait. I loved that. And I loved how how many different like interviews and perspectives they brought into it. I thought that one was great. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, you think that when you're listening to it, oh, we're going to get into Rodan and Fields or Lulu Rowe or – but they hardly get into any really like recent ones that we know about. It kind of goes yeah. to the history of multi-level marketing. And then I love how the girl in it, the producer, tries to join a multi-level marketing group. Yeah, yes. I think it's 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 brilliant, totally brilliant. Yeah, and it's interesting because I I think they do a really good job of explaining why the actual like system and how it works. Yes, you will see one percent of people that are your friends on Facebook that are like millionaires because they sell you know whatever Lularoe leggings. But the majority of those people are spending their money to purchase their own products. So I thought that they did a really good job of like explaining what that, um, I can't remember the term they used for it, but I learned a lot listening to it too. And I love a podcast that will like tell a story and teach me something at the same time. Yeah. So that was, that was a great one. Um, do I keep going? (laughs) Yeah. Give me, give me one more. Your list list is so good. (laughs) Um, someone knows something is one of my absolute favorites of all time. Season two and season five were absolute favorites for me. And I just love anything on, um, CBC, Radio, you've had some guests on your show that I love, like uh, the Nexium podcast, Gen Y. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I'm here for all of it. It's a problem. Um, the CBC does, I don't know what's happening up there in Canada, but they do such a great job. And I just had the guy on my podcast that the podcast is called Personal Best. Yes, I listened to that. He sounds, I loved him. They, <laughs> that podcast is great. And of course, I was like, of course, CBC. Um, but yeah, someone knows something. I'm like, I always say like David Ridgen is like, it's like my, my white whale is like, I was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> that would be like right? my dream. Like I'm searching for him in my life, but uh, alas, he has not come on my podcast, but David, I, come on, come hang out, bro. This, Let's this do is, it. Like, can I sit cool. in? Like, I love him too. I would love to meet him. I would probably like fangirl over him. He's just so sweet, right? He must be a Libra. I don't know what sign he is, but he's so even tempered and he just, is so great at interviewing people and bringing people along on the journey. And he's a great example too. Like maybe the podcast audio isn't always great because he's in the field and like interviewing people. I mean, they do a great job, but it's like, it's real life. And I feel like he tells stories in a way that's very organic and make and, and feels much more real than a lot of the pretty packaged podcasts that are out there, which I still love, but 
sometimes I want, you know, that really organic vibe. Yeah, I love just him and a microphone in someone's, you know, trailer. I mean, really, he's he's wonderful and I completely agree with you on all of that. And I'm thinking maybe that's going to be my hook to get him on. I'm going to say, Tiffany Reese says you must be a Libra. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Libra. (laughs) I'm a Libra. So we should be friends and you should come on my podcast. Amazing. And Libras are like so friendly. So that makes total sense that you're a Libra. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Listen, I can't thank you enough. And I, I'm so excited that this podcast is going to go on even past this story that we're even going to get more stories behind Sarah's actual story. Like, I'm thrilled. And I hope that you keep on this path of telling these stories like Sarah's and also about Dick. Um, And, you know, I think it's a great choice not to really reveal who he is because you're right, like the Ted Bundys of the world and stuff. Like, we don't really need to know who he is. Like, that's not the point, you know? Yeah, it's like there are there definitely. I understand that it's interesting. I totally get that. It interests me too. I just think, you know, maybe if we stop printing shooters' names in the paper, maybe some of them won't do it. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because you're not getting any fame or notoriety from it, right? And I think like in the generation of children who have only had the internet in their life and seen like social media and what things sort of are featured and obsessed about, I think as you know, a parent, we have a certain responsibility to um, show our kids, like, this is not the way to get fame. This is not the way to get admiration or attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Are you kidding? Like, I was like, wait, she interviews real podcasters. I can't believe she wants to talk to me. Like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. So flattering and like such an honor to speak with you. So thank you so much. Well, I feel that we're lifelong friends now because we have so much in common, especially just the, uh, the, the true crime part of it, you know, notwithstanding. Absolutely. Like we should do a sleepover and just cover all the cases in the last few years because I'm sure we could have a lot to chat about. If I could just come to California and get some warmth, I'd do it. Totally. Totally. Let's do it. Thank you so much. Thank you.